Alright everyone, welcome in to the Superflex Super Show. I am James the Brain, and I am joined by my much more talented co-host, Ethan Turner, <laughs> at eTurnerFF underscore PT on Twitter, the great doctor. Ethan, man, how you doing? I'm good. You know, I've, I think I've peaked at this point where you're just going to start bashing yourself so I don't have to, uh, which is a shame because we're about to just, just hammer into rookie tiers. So uh, there's, I'm sure there will be many things that we disagree with, James. But don't be so down on yourself, man. This is the Superflex Super Show, and you are the super brain. So we can't be shooting ourselves in the foot before we even start. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. I, I'm I acknowledge I'm super. I just am not as super as the great Dr. Ethan Turner, but that's okay. Ethan, today, man, we are gonna discuss rookies and we're gonna tier them a little bit. So this is gonna be a little bit different. You know, we've been uh discussing rookies for a while here. Uh, you know, rookie drafts are are going on. Um, you know, they're either happening now or they're about to happen. And uh and and so we we still wanna dig into the rookies. And by tiering these guys, we really hope that it's going to do two things. A, it's going to show you kind of how we value certain players within a position and a positional ranking. And B, it's also going to, at the end, we're going to give our overall rankings. And that should help you kind of determine whether or not you should, you know, make a trade or not, you know, whether or not you can get a tier one guy or a tier two guy um, by holding or whether or not you can get two tier two guys for a tier one guy and kind of evaluate the trade that way. So hopefully uh, this is going to help all the listeners, Ethan, that we have. And we are going to start with the quarterback position because we're a super flex show. So why wouldn't we start with quarterbacks, right? Um, quarterbacks are really interesting uh, here. So, um, why don't we uh, why don't we each give our tier one, Ethan? Who is in your tier one, and why is uh, is this your tier one? So I've only got two guys here in tier one, and that's Burrow um, and Tua. I think that this is pretty universally accepted as kind of the top of this class. Um, this is not a class that this was a class I thought might be deep, um, especially in tier two, but the draft just didn't shake out well. Uh, for the quarterback. So I'm going to go pretty chalk here with Tua and Burrow. Uh, they've got the draft capital. Um, they've got weapons that they're going into offensive offenses that have invested into the offense already. Um, I think both of them have potential to be you know viable QB twos as soon as this season. Um, Burrow, I think, could even creep into QB one just given the offense that they've already built around him. So uh, those are my guys, and I don't really even think there's much of a – too much controversy with either of our rankings with that. No. Yeah. And I, I have the same two guys in my tier one, although I do have Justin Herbert in there as well. Uh, my, my reasoning for, for including Justin Herbert in there is a, I think he has value very early. I expect him to start week one. Uh, I think he's, he's probably, he's very pro ready. I think his game, uh, you know, he comes into the NFL pro ready and his weapons, his supporting cast are very good. So I can expect him, I kind of expect if he does start week one, which is what I'm thinking he will do, um, he he will, you know, have a good opportunity to put up numbers right away with that supporting cast. I like Mike Williams. Uh, Justin Herbert's never had a red zone threat to work with like that. Uh, I, I think, uh, you know, he's going to make Mike Williams better. He has Keenan Allen. He has Hunter Henry. Austin Eckler is a fantastic uh, pass catching back out of the backfield. So that's in talent alone. I agree. I think Burrow and Tua are the guys and I would draft them over Herbert. 
But I do have Herbert in that tier one because of that, because I expect uh, an early payoff on your investment. And I think that his supporting cast is good enough for him to put up some numbers right away. So, um, yeah, I, that that's why he makes my tier one. But we're pretty close on that. So let's go to our tier two. Ethan, who you got in your tier two, bud? Yeah, so for me, um, I think this is kind of the first disagreement I guess we have. To, to me, I think that there is at least somewhat of a drop-off between Burrow, Tua, and then obviously Herbert. So I have Herbert by himself here in Tier 2. Um, to me, I looked at this as who are the quarterbacks that I think, one, have the talent to immediately start. There, It's no question that they will be the starters at some point. With Tua, a little bit more questionable with the injury, so I think you – You've got a case there a little bit more than Burrow. Um, if you really wanted to, you could probably put Burrow in his own tier and then put Tua and Herbert kind of next to each other because they are a little bit closer. Um, but from a, a combination of talent and just uh, situation, I felt like Herbert, at least in rookie drafts especially, um, there are a few players, non-quarterbacks, that I feel like you can make pretty good case for and i think there's more than a few um i think there's probably at least five and so with that many non-quarterbacks uh in super flex i feel like that tells you where herbert one is going um and two where i kind of feel like if i'm happier with running backs over a quarterback um i don't think i can make a good case for a running back over either Burrow or Tua necessarily. I think they're in the conversation of the top four picks where I just don't feel that way about Herbert. I think there are many teams out there that would probably, I don't think Herbert's not a first round pick in Superflex, but I think he, it, the, the fall is justified based on where I see him as a player. And so because of that, I can't put him in that same tier as Burrow and Tua because I think those two dudes, you have a much stronger case for taking them uh, in the top three picks of a super flex over some of these running backs where I just don't, I don't have that case for Herbert. So that's why there's a separate tier there. Um, but who do you, I know that Herbert was in your tier one. Um, so who were your guys that were in tier two then after, after this first group? Yeah. So for me, I, my tier two is love hurts man. love, love hurts. I know people are singing right now when I say love hurts, but Jordan love and Jalen hurts are in my tier two. Look, Jordan Love has the draft capital. Uh, we just don't know when opportunity is going to come. And so you might be sitting on him for a little bit. And I think, uh, you know, in Superflex, uh, you know, in, in a second round, I'm probably willing to to invest that just because I think with that draft capital comes an expectation that he's going to play sooner rather than later. Uh, and and then Jalen Hurts, to me, who is very talented. He's He is a quarterback. I, I'm, I'm Tired of already seeing the fact that he's a gadget player. He's a Taysom Hill. Maybe early on, if they really want to get him on the field and, you know, Wentz is staying healthy, then, you know, maybe they can use him in that regard. But, I mean, he's going to he's going to be a quarterback. He's going to be a fantastic quarterback, in my opinion. Um, it, it's just going to take him time to see the field, too. So, while I like both these guys, and I'd be willing to invest a second-round rookie pick in a super flex league in both of them. There's definitely a drop off from the top guys to these guys. Uh, so they're my tier two here. Yeah, I think the, the, uh, they're, those are the two dudes in my tier three. Um, obviously having Herbert by himself, uh, to me, I think talent separated Burrow and Tua from Herbert. 
And I think that opportunity separates Herbert from love and hurts. Um, Herbert, I do believe, like you said, is probably going to be the starter right off the bat. Um, if not very soon, um, love and hurts. You, you just can't, I just don't see any way that either one of those guys plays as a starter, barring an, an injury to this, to the current starter this season. And so for me, Okay, do I want to do I want to invest in these guys in dynasty knowing that I might have to wait one two? I mean, we saw Aaron Rodgers sat for three years, so three years without a player burning up a roster spot to me that's just that is hard for me to swallow. Um, to me, that's you really have to see. I see it sooner with Hurts than I do with Love, just because I think that now Aaron Rodgers is going to like spite them. Um, but I think from a these guys got drafted to at some point be starters in the league. The question is when. And so because there's that question, they're in their own kind of tier away from those top three guys. Um, but I think we've been pretty much in lockstep with how we value these dudes going into dynasty drafts. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, Aaron Rodgers waited three years. But if one of these guys becomes Aaron Rodgers for fantasy, I mean, we're <laughs> gladly waiting three years to have them, you know, play for us. So uh, I'll go to my tier three and it's one, it's one quarterback and it's the only other quarterback I tiered and that's Jacob Eason. And, and really this has more to do with landing spot than anything else. I think of the remaining quarterbacks, he lands in a spot with a little bit of uncertainty there uh, going to, to Tennessee. And, you know, he's, he's behind Ryan Tannehill, who we saw have a very nice year last year, but we've also seen him struggle in the past. So Jacob Eason going there provides them a little bit of, of uh, you know, he immediately becomes the backup quarterback there and he provides them with a little bit of safety just in case Ryan Tannehill disappoints or if if he goes down you know with an injury they have someone that they that can step in and I think can uh, can put up some decent fantasy numbers too with that supporting cast so um, he's the only guy in my tier three I know we're on the year fourth tier uh, Ethan uh, why don't you give us your last few guys that you got in tier four yeah so I totally agree on on Eason um, for all the reasons you mentioned I think that to me, we're, at this stage, we're looking at late round quarterbacks that you can stash on a taxi squad, um, hope that maybe they hit early, um, but know that they're probably going to have to wait at least a year, um, almost guaranteed. I added one more guy here uh, just because I feel like when we're talking about super flex, especially you might yeah, have what's a button. <laughs> so you might have um, some drafts that are going into the fifth and sixth round and you're looking at players and you're like, well. I kind of want to grab a quarterback because I know how valuable they can become. If I'm going to grab a lottery ticket, uh, quarterback lottery tickets, as we saw last year with actually uh, Jake Lutton's, uh, the guy he's sitting behind, Garner Minshew, uh, we saw how well that has paid off for you. I mean, you could have turned basically a, a late round last pick of the draft quarterback into you know, potentially some serious draft capital um, in future drafts, or now you have a starter that you paid nothing for. Um, that is kind of the premise behind me, including Jake Lutton. He did get drafted. Uh, not a lot of quarterbacks drafted actually in the draft this year, um, but Jake Lutton, uh, for, for those of you who don't know, including you, James, uh, he was the quarterback at Oregon State. Um Basically, just kind of a, a prospect quarterback uh, that has all the tools that you want to see uh, in a prototypical quarterback. I mean, he's 6'6", uh, about 230. He's got big hands. He throws the ball incredibly well. He's accurate. Um, you know, he, he completed about 60. 
54% of his passes. Um, and he, he is one of those guys that has a big arm and he can, he can work. He worked in a pro style offense at Oregon state. He's very, uh, comfortable i guess with a lot of play action which we see the nfl going to a lot um and he can he has the arm to be an nfl quarterback so to me if you're going to take a chance on a guy that you're just going to throw in your taxi squad and if he hits it's great and if he doesn't it doesn't i would take the guy that's sitting behind another sixth round rookie pick um and garner Minshew, who hasn't you know despite us wanting Minshew mania to like be for sure a locked in thing we don't know if that's going to be the case. There is no Nick Foles. So this is, you know, a backup quarterback spot in the NFL. I don't, I don't know of another, unless you can correct me here. I don't know of another quarterback that's on that roster right now um, for the Jags. And so if Minshew gets hurt, Lutton could become, you know, kind of instant value for fantasy owners. So uh, that's why I included him here just because basically he's got a, a one injury path to, at least some type of playing time. Yeah. And that makes sense. You know, that's, that's a deep dive, a name that some people might not know, but in our super flex league, that's a guy that if you can get for next to nothing or for nothing, you pick him up as a, you know, on your waivers uh, and just kind of stash him. you know, you might have gold, especially if you're a Minshew owner, he has even added value for you. So uh, yeah, that's, that's fantastic. Ethan, really good name there. Uh, let's, let's move on to the running backs though. We got some interesting running backs. I mean, the landing spots are interesting. We've seen names and, and we've really seen rankings on these guys really shuffled and shifted around, um, lately because, you know, pre-draft, uh, you know, people were pretty dug in on who their number one was. And it was normally between Jonathan Taylor and DeAndre Swift. And it seems like DeAndre Swift has fallen for a lot because of landing spot. Um, some other guys have risen. So, so let's, let's go over that. Ethan, who is in your tier one for running backs right now? So for me, there's just two guys. Um, before the draft, I would have said there were five. Um, there are five running backs from a talent perspective that I think are really incredible that I thought about including one more dude here. Um, but I'll get to the reason why he's in uh, the second tier with a couple other guys. But to me, it's Jonathan Taylor and it's Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Uh, these are the two dudes that I think are the only two that have a legitimate case of going before uh, Burrow and Tua in a super flex league. Um, to me, that that helps distinguish how I kind of tear these guys out in rookie drafts, especially. But Clyde Edwards Hilaire, I mean, from a you, say what you want. He was my number five running back coming in, but I had them all really close. Perfect landing spot. And so when you have a perfect landing spot, you can't ignore it. Um, he's going to get a ton of work. He's going to catch a lot of passes, which is we know is just it's way more efficient for fantasy football, uh, especially in the running backs, if they can catch a lot of passes. Um, he's in an incredible offense. Uh, he is, even if you think that he is a system running back, he landed in the best system. So you can't really ignore that. Uh, Jonathan Taylor was my RB1 coming into the draft. He landed in a location that was perfect for his skill set. Uh, again, kind of a perfect fit here. Um, you know, Taylor is a probably the best pure running back in terms of running the football um, in this class. And I don't think it's particularly close. Uh, you don't run for 2,000 yards for three straight seasons and not be good at like running the football. Um, he's a size speed specimen that he just checks every box that you want from an elite running back prospect. And he goes to an offense that will be running the ball a lot. And so we can talk about the deficiencies he has in the past game to me with Philip rivers throwing him, you know, being a check down King, even if he isn't 
as efficient as you'd hope. I still think he's going to end up with more pass uh, pass catches than a lot of these running backs will because he's in an offense that is going to use the run a lot. And you can say, well, you know, Jonathan Taylor, he's got Marlon Mack. Marlon Mack ain't nothing to Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor is a, if you are an okay running back, Jonathan Taylor will run you to the bottom of the depth chart. Uh, he is an elite prospect and no one is going to stand in this way, especially not Marlon Mack. I'm sorry. If you're a Marlon Mack truther, you're listening to this. I'm sorry. But this is the facts like Jonathan Taylor is a monster and he will demand touches like no other running back uh, will in that depth chart. So to me, it's Taylor, it's Clyde Edwards Hilaire. And those are two are the two that I think are the best um, value, I guess, from a running back perspective at the top of rookie drafts. Yeah, and I, I. I don't disagree with you. Those are my top two guys. I do have more guys in my tier one, and I might be a little long-winded here in explaining why, but I've seen a lot of people, really the running back position kind of baffles me because I don't know what people expected. Pre-draft, there was five guys that everyone was talking about. It was Jonathan Taylor. It was Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. It was DeAndre Swift, Cam Akers, and J.K. Dobbins. Where did people think that these guys were going to land that was going to be more perfect than some of these situations? Outside of apparently everybody thought Tampa Bay was going to be a prime spot. Uh, But outside of that, I mean, I I don't understand how any of these guys could have wound up in a better situation. Jonathan Taylor, like you said, you know, lands in in a fantastic spot. Um, They're going to use him the way that uh, he should be used. They have an a fantastic offensive line, a good offensive mind. They're in a division that I think he can take advantage of. I love it. Clyde Edwards Hilaire goes to Kansas City. He's part of an explosive offense. We all know how much they score. He's a great pass catching back. They throw the ball a lot. I mean, he's going to fit in great there. DeAndre Swift to me was, for some people, RB1 before the draft, um, just based on talent. He was my, my running back too. How is he not a tier one guy? He goes to Detroit, and I understand that there's some concern about um, landing spot, but I, I don't know that there should be. I mean, usage shouldn't be an issue. We have on Johnson, who, who just unfortunately, he hasn't been able to stay healthy. And this goes back to his college days. And I know, Ethan, that you uh, you, you know this. Uh, you, you're, you're on top of the injuries here. You're the guy that I go to for it. So um, I, that, that's got to be a concern that he can't stay on the field. And DeAndre Swift does so much well that even if – you know, Detroit's in pass mode. Um, he's going to catch a lot of passes. He's also, you know, they're going to run the ball. They have Matt Patricia, a defensive-minded coach. He wants to run the ball. They took TJ Hawkinson early for a reason. He's a good in-line blocker as well. Um, you know, they're, they're going to use DeAndre Swift. He's going to get used, and he's going to get used early and often. I think he's a tier one back. Cam Akers was a guy who I was not as high on as others. I love his landing spot. It is perfect for his running style. He's a one cut and go type of, of, of runner. That's it's perfect for this zone scheme that he's going to be running in. He can also catch passes. He's good in pass pro. He's going to see the field an awful lot. There's no one standing in his way. Daryl Henderson was a guy who played after Malcolm Brown last year. And Todd Gurley is gone. Cam Akers is the first pick that they made in this draft. They like Cam Akers an awful lot. I feel like he's going to get used early and often, and he fits in this system so well. And then J.K. Dobbins, who to me, I mean, Eli's in the perfect spot in Baltimore. Are you kidding me? Um, he just got done playing with with Justin Fields in Ohio State, who, I mean, they, they can do the RPO. They can, you know, you can do some of the things 
with him that you can do with Lamar Jackson now in the NFL. So I, I just, I feel like the system is such a good fit. Um, they run the ball so often. I mean, they're a very balanced team, but JK Dobbins is a three down back. He can catch the ball too. He can, you know, and Mark Ingram's he's, he's over 30. He's what 31, you know? So, I mean, it, it's, sooner rather than later, J.K. Dobbins is going to be the guy, and he, he can immediately uh, supplant Gus, Gus Edwards and, and be the guy who gets 10 to 12 carries a game still behind Mark Ingram. He's going to get usage. He's going to get usage early. I think all five of these guys are tier one backs, and like you said, I think all five of these running backs can go before Justin Herbert, but I think all five of them could be top 15, top 20 fantasy running backs in the future. Uh, and so I, I think, you know, with Justin Herbert, I, I think all these guys are tier one guys. I love their landing spots. Um, so for me, I have five running backs in my top tier. I'll go ahead and add on to this because I loved basically the breakdowns of all three of those. My my tier two is those three extra guys that we hadn't, that I hadn't already talked about. Uh, the one that I think has the best uh, argument, I guess, to be in tier one, two, is uh is Dobbins and he was the one that I thought was really close um again a, we're talking about perfect situations for running backs he landed in a perfect situation for him uh obviously the one caveat is that Mark Ingram is still a thing um we can debate whether that will be a long-term thing I think that they know more about his calf injury from the end of last year um I think that they believe at least somewhat that his calf injury, Mark Ingram is being, uh, being part of the reason why their offense kind of faltered uh, at the end of the season and that they didn't make a Super Bowl run despite kind of basically having, you know, a, a Hollywood's esque offense. I mean, they were, they were blowing up teams last year. And when he went down, that offense could not keep up that run game that they had basically, you know, stomped the league with for the first, you know, basically the entire regular season. And so they went out, they got Dobbins, who I think is a better, a better version of Mark Ingram um, right now and in the future. So to me, perfect fit, per, you know, very good player. Uh, that one, he is close for me for tier two Swift, uh, Swift and acres, you know, acres, I think has a chance to be maybe the most immediate fantasy producer, because I'm sorry, but Daryl Henderson ain't, scaring me away uh daryl henderson is an okay running back i mean i was i was i had him as a first round rookie pick i missed i'm sorry like i will admit like sometimes i miss on players that's just the nature of the beast uh i'm not gonna get take lock if malcolm brown can beat out daryl henderson cam Akers is going to smoke out daryl henderson it's not going to be close i think they're going to use acres at all levels of the field um, and i think they really want him to basically take the load like todd Gurley did two years ago when that rams offense was you know also unstoppable um swift uh i think will eventually his talent will win out and he will have a, a role but i just don't trust matt patricia as a coach i think he is um i think he's trying to be too much almost he's, he's taking too much of bill belichick and kind of riding that um i don't think he's anywhere close to the offensive game planner that bill belichick is i don't think that he's even that good of a, a defensive coach um as a head coach i think he's a good coordinator he's a classic example of someone that's 
really good at the job that he was doing. But when you put him in that role where he has to do everything, he just doesn't have what it takes um, to do that. And so that makes me a little bit more concerned with Swift. But outside of that, I mean, these top five guys, this is, this is a very good group and they did land in some pretty prime spots. Uh, there could have been a few of the, you know, we're lucky that two of these dudes didn't end up behind someone that was also elite. Uh, Cause there's a lot of good running backs in the league right now. All right. So tier two for me, and I, I I'm going to start with tier two and, and Zach Moss is, is a guy who I have um, in, in my second tier. And I'm going to start with him because I, I think it shows that uh, Buffalo doesn't, I don't think they want to use Devin Singletary in between the tackles. I think they want him to be a pass catching back, a third down back, a guy who who can run those outside sweeps and zones and that sort of thing. But boy, in between the tackles, I really feel like that's what Zach Moss does well. He just runs really well in between the tackles. And I think that that's his role moving forward. So um, I, I, I think he has immediate value. And I think that's why I would take him. I don't think he has the long-term value that some of these other guys do. But if you're looking for a guy and you need help right away at the running back position, this is a guy who can be had mid to late second. I've seen him go um, in some drafts. Some some I've seen him go really early, like late first too. But I would I wouldn't take him there. He's not a first round pick to me. If he if you can have him in the mid to late second round, um, I'd be okay with taking him there. Especially if it, if it's a guy that you you need to contribute right away. You need something out of him this year. I think Zach Moss can give you that. Uh, AJ Dillon's my second guy on this in this tier. Um, I just feel like he's a guy you you might have to wait on. Um, he might get a few carries this year. But, boy, if Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams move on after this year, which is a total possibility with, you know, with their contract situation, then A.J. D- uh, AJ Dillon could be, you know, see a, a huge role moving forward. So he's, a kind of, he's you know, kind of the opposite of Zach Moss for me in that uh, I think if, if you take him, you have to be a little bit more patient. Um, and then uh, the last guy I have is Keyshawn Vaughn and uh, – I, I have trouble with this. I, I don't mind Keyshawn Vaughn. He's fine. Um, he's a fine player. Uh, he winds up in Tampa Bay, and now everyone's losing their mind and spending first-round rookie picks on him. He is not worth a first-round rookie pick. If you spend a first-round rookie pick on Keyshawn Vaughn, you are passing up better talent. It's not close. Don't do it, okay? Like, I, I'm, I'm just just telling you. This, this is a guy who, if you can get in the late second, I, you're okay. Like 210, 211, 212, nice. Um, he has a nice landing spot. He could, I, Look, I like Ronald Jones. He could supplant Ronald Jones. That could happen. I just don't see it happening anytime soon. I also don't think he's a, a James White type of back. I don't know what kind of running back you think he's going to, to be or what kind of numbers he's going to put up with Tom Brady as his quarterback. I, he's not LeGarrette Blount. He's not James White. What what do we expect? I, I don't I just don't know. I don't expect him to come out as a rookie and really show much. Um, so I, I just, I, I'm, I'm having trouble with where he's valued. Uh, but I do have him as a tier three guy. I think he belongs in this tier with these guys. Um, I just, you know, again, don't spend a first round pick on him. I could not disagree more on Vaughn. I will tell everyone we are in lockstep. Um, I, these are obviously my tier three players, tier two for you, but it's the same three guys. Uh, my question and I guess the the biggest the biggest difference I think we have is that one, I think I dislike Ronald Jones more than maybe you do. So I feel like Vaughn is going to be a very polarizing player for a lot of people because if you like Ronald Jones enough to say that he is going to be the guy and Vaughn is just you know uh, 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 you know maybe maybe 
a bigger, slower version, satellite back, better pass protector, uh, whatever you want to say. Um, to me, Vaughn is good enough uh, to basically not just supplant Ronald Jones, but I think he's a better pure runner. Maybe not the athlete that Ronald Jones is, um, but I think he is a better, more well-rounded running back. And I think that Tom Brady is going to be a guy that values the things that Vaughn does well. Uh, he is not looking, they don't need to have a running back that may cost them uh, yardage. They just need somebody that's going to get the job done. And that's what Keyshawn Vaughn does. Um, the reason that Vaughn is in this tier with Moss and Dylan for me, to me, this tier is the valuable, going to get touches running backs that really need an injury to either one take over or they're going to be stuck basically in a committee all year for potentially the next multiple years. Um, so they can't really reach that upper echelon of those top five guys, because I think those top five guys are bell cow running backs that can take the majority of carries. And there's not really competition that's going to prevent that from occurring. Maybe as soon as this season to me, Keyshawn Vaughn, you've got Ronald Jones. Again, I'm not a huge Ronald Jones guy, but you have to respect the fact that he is the incumbent. We are going to have a weird offseason. We don't know what kind of camps are going to look like. We don't know what the preseason is going to look like. Um, so you have to give some credit to the fact that Ronald Jones was, you know, a second round pick. Uh, he is uh talented, even if you even if he's not necessarily my favorite running back prospect. Um you know, Keyshawn Vaughn is going to split carries with him. That is just the nature of the beast. Same thing with Zach Moss. You can disagree about, to me, this one is harder for me to swallow because I don't think Zach Moss is better than Devin Singletary, whereas I think I could make a case that Keyshawn Vaughn is better for the offense than Ronald Jones. I don't think that's the case here. I think Devin Singletary is better for this for this Bills offense, and I do think he is going to be more productive than Zach Moss because I don't trust Moss as a prospect. I don't think he's particularly fast. Um, I don't think that while he is good between the tackles, I don't think that he gives you um, so much more in the offense that you're like, he's going to push Devin Singletary to any one direction um, in any major way. To me, I think this reminds me a lot of, um, I think this is a similar situation to what we had with Royce Freeman when he came in and Philip Lindsay um, basically just ended up being the better option for the offense as a whole. I think that's what we're going to see with Moss uh, and with Singletary. I just think that Moss is a fine running back. He's going to get some carries. He's going to get some work, but you're going to want to have Singletary because I think he opens that offense up more. Uh, AJ Dillon is an interesting one for me. Uh, the, the draft capital says that he should start playing immediately. And I just am trying to figure out how we're going to implement him into this offense. Everyone says that this is a knock on Aaron Jones, but maybe it means they're pushing Aaron Jones into more targets and they want AJ Dillon to kind of be the in between the tackles guy. I don't, I don't know for sure. Uh, AJ Dillon's a, he's a big boy and he is, he's a hammer. I mean, they, they saw what the Titans did last year. And I think they went out and said, you know what? We can, 
we can do that type of thing with AJ Dillon. So again, I think he's going to command some touches. Is he going to command a full workload? Probably not. Um, I don't think any of these three are going to command a full workload anytime soon without a major injury to the, their backfield mates. And so that's why I have them in a tier below those top five guys. And I'm, I'm assuming that's why you have them in a tier below uh, those top five guys as well, even though our tiers are a little different. We're pretty much in lockstep that these dudes are kind of that second round rookie pick as opposed to taking any of them in the first. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I, I, I would ask you, because I think the, the one that we're a little bit different on would be um, would be Keyshawn Vaughn. And so in, in a super flex league, uh, in a rookie draft, where would you feel comfortable drafting Keyshawn Vaughn? Around what? To me, I think with the scarcity, with how deep this class is at wide receiver, and I think there are some very good wide receivers, which we're going to get to, uh, I think Keyshawn Vaughn is a fine sixth running back off the board in the second round. Um, I don't like taking him in the first because I feel like you're taking him in front of some very special wide receiver talents. Um, I think that if you need a running back in the second, I don't hate early second on Keyshawn Vaughn. Um, I, I like him uh, quite a bit more than the other two in this tier. Um, I, I almost put him in his own tier, but I, I decided that, you know what, the argument for this, for this guy is the same as the argument for these other two. And so I feel like they do need to be lumped together. This is kind of the running backs that I'm happy taking in the second round of rookie drafts, but not necessarily first round talents. Um, and I think that I would take, probably take them, you know, somewhat in this order, I'd probably go Vaughn, Dylan, and then Moss with Dylan and Moss being, you know, picks 208 to 212, somewhere in that range. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. I, I think we're on board as long as it's, as long as it's in the second round, I think you're, you would probably take them a little earlier in the second. I would probably feel comfortable taking them a little later, but we're not too far off there. And I think we're, we're pretty much right on with, with the other backs. So uh, let's, let's go to, uh, let's go to our next tier. My, my third tier, I'm going to give you four names. Uh, Antonio Gibson is one uh, goes to Washington. It's a pretty crowded backfield. I don't know what his role is going to be. None of those guys are very, are special running backs. I mean, you have Adrian Peterson, Peyton Barber, uh, Darius guys who I like a lot, but man, the injuries are starting to pile up and I'm still, I'm still pulling for that kid. Um, but Gibson is a guy who who could fill a different role for them. And, uh, and so I kind of like what he steps into. Um, I think he'll, uh, he'll, he'll be usable some, some games. So I don't mind him in tier three. Um, uh, Evans going to Tennessee to me, uh, th- that's fantastic because of Derek Henry. We don't know what his, his long-term kind of situation is going to be. Um, I think Darrington Evans could be, uh, the, the backup there, uh, the number two running back there before long. And there's going to be some value on a team that runs the ball as much as Tennessee has been. They've been running Derrick Henry into the ground and starting next season, you know, if Derrick Henry isn't back there, um, you know, he, he enters, you know, the conversation of a starting running back in the NFL. So, uh, that that right there just gives him value. Um, DJ Dallas for me is a guy who I really like. I mean, he goes to Seattle, 
Chris Carson is getting up there in age. Uh, he's coming off an injury. We, we're already hearing that Rashad Penny is probably going to start the year on the pup list. Um, Isaiah Crowell is just kind of a guy that they signed. I, I just, I, I feel like DJ Dallas is, you know, he's he could be in line for a role right away, and it could be a significant one too, depending on what happens with Chris Carson. So, uh, to me, you know, DJ Dallas is a guy who is probably undervalued here, and a guy I'd be willing to take a flyer on in the third round of, uh, of rookie drafts. Uh, Lynn Bowden is, is the last guy, and I struggle with him. Um, Ethan, I think you and I kind of discussed it a little bit and what position to kind of put him in. Um, it sounds like on MFL he's going to be listed as a running back. The Raiders are going to list him as a running back. So I included him in my running back tiers, but I don't really know where he fits, what 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 he's going to be um, long-term. So uh, right now I have him there. I just feel like he's an excellent pass catching option, regardless of where he lines up. Uh, I think that his athletic ability is, is fantastic. Just get the ball in his hands one way or another. And I think he's going to make plays. So I like Wimbledon a lot. I just don't really know how he's going to be used. And uh, you know, there was a lot of incoming rookies there to, to Oakland and, you know, it's going to be hard to see how they're going to use them moving forward. So to me, that is, uh, is, is the four names that I have in my third tier. Um, so now we're on to your fourth tier. What do you have in uh, tier four for us, Ethan? So tier four for me, uh, we're going to have some similar names here, but the, there is a theme basically to all my tiers. There's a way I break them up. And for me, the three guys here are Anthony McFarland in Pittsburgh, um, Joshua Kelly, uh, with the Chargers and uh, Darrington Evans uh, with Tennessee. You already talked about Evans. I don't really have much else to say. I think that he complements Derrick Henry well, so I do think he's going to come in as a change of pace back. I think he might be able to cur- carve out a role as kind of a pass-catching uh, third down back in that in that offense, especially as games, if they're behind. I think that's one thing that we saw, especially in the playoffs. When that team got behind, you can't just run Derrick Henry like down people's throats. They don't. He does not scare them as much as a pass catcher. So, while I think everyone wants Derrick Henry to like be this amazing all around back, like sometimes a hammer is just a hammer, and you have to just accept that it is a hammer, and it it it, it can do a lot of things, but it can't do everything. And so I think that's what they said when they drafted Darrington Evans. I think they he could. Uh, with a Derrick Henry injury, become a very, very valuable fantasy asset. Um, I think that's similar uh, to me. This this whole tier, my whole tier four, is basically you're an injury away from an elite uh, fantasy running back, but you have to have the injury. They're basically change of pace backs that could be even more if given an opportunity due to injury, due to whatever the circumstances are. Um, Anthony McFarland, I think, has a lot of juice. I think he is best used as a change of pace back right now. But if something happens to James Conner, he could potentially see himself as the, you know, basically the the main running back. And he does provide a, a nice. Uh, he is a, a, <laughs> he's exactly what he I I think he is, which is a change of pace. When he comes in, he's electric. And if you can't account for that, he is going to burn you. And that is what his skill set is right now. Josh Kelly, I think, is the most interesting of the three. Uh, to me, I think Josh Kelly is an absolute steal in rookie drafts right now. Uh, I have gotten him. I've traded up for him in multiple leagues already this offseason just because, to me, uh, if we're looking for a running back that has the chance to be uh, you know, a very, very valuable running back that you can get in the third, maybe even the early fourth. But for the most, I think people are starting to catch on a little bit. 
but definitely mid to late third in rookie drafts that could potentially have touches immediately that nobody's really talking about. It's Josh Kelly. Uh, he has a, well, I don't think he's Melvin Gordon. I think he has a good first and second down skill set. I think Austin Eckler is going to push him out. So he is going to end up still being a change of pace, but he's going to be a hammer change of pace, which is a little bit different from the other two. Um, Josh Kelly has a well-rounded skill set. He reminded me a lot of Chris Carson in that if an opportunity arises, he could be a very serviceable three down running back for a team. He's not going to be an Ezekiel Elliott. He's not going to be a Christian McCaffrey, but he is a very solid running back across the board. And I think that that could be very valuable for teams going forward. Um, so that's, that's kind of my, my, my tier four is basically change of pace backs. That could be more. I like that. There's a lot of names that you're going to hear from me here uh, for my fourth tier. Uh, my tier four, Anthony McFarlane, for all the same reasons you just said. I think uh, I think he is he'll have a role. Um, I just I, I don't uh, I don't know how much he'll be used, but uh, but it it seems like in that offense he's going to have a role. Um, Kelly, I, I I you know I really like uh, you know Joshua Kelly too. That 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 call is fantastic. Um, and and I think he he has a nice landing spot too. So he he is a guy who could I could see moving up my rankings. My my problem with him is I really like um, Justin Jackson an awful lot still. And uh, and so to me he's going to have to beat him out. And I I boy I I I don't know that that happens overnight. Um, so those those two guys are in my tier four that you have. So I don't want to interrupt you too bad here, but I will just say that I think. That- I think Josh Kelly does everything Justin Jackson does well, except much, much better. So I think that that is probably where we disagree the most. I think we agree on the talent of Kelly, but I think we disagree on the talent of Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson. Gosh, I got rookies in my head. Justin Jackson. Too many J's. I think we disagree on Jackson's talent because to me, Josh Kelly in the fourth round is much, much better than Justin Jefferson. Justin Jackson. I'm gonna try to say this right. Um, I just don't. I don't think that from a talent perspective that they're comparable. I think that he is going to push him right out of touches. Um, so we disagree on that, but that's okay. Keep going. Yeah, and and I, I will say J- Justin Jackson was a guy I got to watch a lot at Northwestern. I got to see him live twice uh, when he played the Badgers, and uh, and and so I, I've I've watched a lot of his. Uh, a lot of his games, a lot of his film too. When he was in college, I think he's an underrated back. I don't know that. Uh, I don't know if the Chargers used him uh, to to his full skill set, but we'll see if that changes. If not, then it, it very well may end up being that he ends up giving carries to Josh Kelly. Um, um, the other guys in my in my tier four, well, Michael P. Ryan. Look, I I I don't mind him. I don't mind the landing spot. The problem is, is that he has Adam Gase, and I don't trust Adam Gase for any of my fantasy assets. So. That's why he's pushed down this far. He's a late round flyer. You grab him, you hope that Adam Gase gets canned next year or the year after, and he might have fantasy relevance. And then Eno Benjamin. And I, I really the thing with Eno Benjamin is it's the landing spot. I don't hate it. I mean, he ends up in Arizona. I think uh, you know, it, they they got rid of David Johnson, and I like Chase Edmonds a little bit, but you know, he has to stay on the field. And then you have Kenyon Drake, who, you know, last year was very, very good, but I mean it, it's a small sample size of him being very good. Uh, in in my eyes. So I don't know that, you know, we can rely on him, you know, just pencil him in for, you know, uh, RB1 to RB2 numbers uh, right away. So, you know, Benjamin's a guy who has value just because of the landing spot. I'm not really 
uh, in love with the talent, but I think he brings something a little bit different to that backfield as well. So um, he's a guy that I did list uh, on here for that purpose. Um, so Ethan, that was my fourth tier. Why don't you give us your fifth tier here? Yeah, my fifth tier, uh, again, is kind of the who who am I – who are these players, I guess, um, in that what are they? Um, I have Antonio Gibson. I have Lynn Bowden. To me, those two are very similar uh, together. I feel like they – could be running backs and they could have some, you know, third down running back potential. I think the teams see them as possibly running backs. Um, but I also feel like the teams are going to not know how to use them as effectively as maybe they, they could. Uh, Gibson has a chance to be a Christian McCaffrey type of player, but I don't think he's a running back. And so to me, it's hard because I think even if the opportunity arises, say there's a Darius guys injury, I'm not convinced that they will move Antonio Gibson to running back full time. I think he will still split carries even if there's an injury. I think Lynn Bowden will still split carries even if there's an injury because they don't see them as true running backs. Um, so that concerns me. Uh, with with DJ Dallas, he is a guy that I think um, from a uh, opportunity perspective probably could be in this this tier above just because I do think he is an injury away. Um, but to me, I think that this team for years and years and years for like, it seems like the last five seasons we've been talking about the end of Chris Carson and every year he comes back and for two, at least the last two years, he's come back from an injury and been the guy again. And so we can't, we, we can't just keep ignoring the fact that the team loves this dude. And so if the team loves this dude and they're going to continue to work him that way, we, until that changes, we can't trust a DJ Dallas as a running back. I think he's, I think he is here as basically a stop gap at the RB two position until Rashad Penny can recover from his injury, which I think will be somewhere around mid season. Um, and so I just don't, I think them drafting DJ Dallas where they did, tells me that they still believe that Chris Carson is the dude. They didn't take any of these amazing running backs that we've talked about up to this point. They did, they passed on all those dudes. So they clearly think they have it in-house. And that is, I mean, that says a lot more than even just drafting a guy. I mean, this is, they just didn't invest the capital to say that he's going to be a huge part of the offense. Yeah, no, absolutely. I agree with you. It, it might say more about Rashad Penny, to be honest, with his injury. I think it definitely does. Um, to me, I thought for sure that they were going to draft a running back to basically you know, cover their bases because I don't think they expect Rashad Penny back to start the season. They've said it multiple times. You know, we always talk about – we forget about these teams making comments like this, but they've said there was more than an ACL tear. So – ACL is nine months, but when you start when you start adding stuff to that, you're talking about eleven to thirteen months. And at thirteen months, with where he had when he had that injury, you could potentially be missing over half the season. In a shortened season, that could be an even greater impact. So, um, to me, DJ Dallas is just a solid back that is designed to be a safety policy uh, for Rashad Penny this year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I wonder, Ethan, if, uh, if he ends up being a safety valve, uh, you know, if, if, uh, if it's possible that he ends up being a safety 
for further than this year, you know, just because with that injury, I wonder if they're, they're worried about long-term, you know, uh, issues that, um, that Rashad Penny may face, but, uh, but we'll move on here. Um, we'll, we'll go to our receivers. Uh, you know, we'll, we finished up running backs, basically went over all the guys that we wanted to touch on, um, for the most part, guys that are going to get drafted in rookie drafts, but, uh, but now let's go to wide receivers and, uh, wide receivers are interesting. I'm going to start this one with my tier one guys. And I'm going to start with Jerry Judy. Uh, Jerry Judy is in my tier one. I just based on talent, it's Jerry Judy and CDYM for me. Those are the guys that are in my tier one. They were in my tier one pre-draft. I feel like wide receivers, you know, with running backs, they have such a short shelf life that you have to have a good landing spot because they just don't last long. With wide receivers, I feel like that's a little different. Um, you can you can wait a little bit for them to develop. You can wait a little bit for them to you know to find their way in an offense and still get ten years out of them. You know, eight to ten years out of them for fantasy purposes. So uh, to me, I can show patience for a guy like C.D. Lamb, who I think is a tremendous tremendous talent. Even if he you know opens up the season as you know the wide receiver three in Dallas, which I still don't know that that's the case. I think he's he's a more talent he's more talented than Michael Gallup as much as I like Michael Gallup and um, you know he 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 might even be a better talent than Amari Cooper to be honest with you. Uh, so I, I think uh, C.D. Lamb to me is still in my tier one. I'd I'd be happy um, to have C.D. Lamb you know uh, regardless of his landing spot. And Jerry Judy to me. Going to Denver, I mean, that offense, uh, it, it seems to me like Denver wants to try to keep up with Kansas City in that division. Adding Jerry Judy, you have Cortland Sutton, you added Noah Fant last year, um, and then at the running back position, you add Melvin Gordon to Philip Lindsay. Both of them can catch the ball out of the backfield, uh, and, and Drew Locke, to me, looked the part last year, uh, and I think he's only going to build on that this year. There's no excuses for him not to. So, uh, you know, being that Jerry Judy gets to be a part of that offense, I don't think he ever sees uh, double teams. He probably sees a lot of cornerback twos with Sutton, you know, on, on the opposite side. So I think uh, Jerry Judy definitely belongs in tier one and is a guy who can contribute right away. So those two guys make up my tier one. There was other guys that were very close, and actually the two guys that were very close are in your tier one, Ethan. I don't want to give anything away, but uh, why don't you go ahead and tell us who's in your tier one for the wide receiver position? Uh, so my, my the two guys, I think you did a great job of explaining why CD and Judy are still uh, kind of the two, you know, basically the cream of this crop. Uh, they were the my two my top two wide receivers coming in. Um, landing spots aren't as like you said, they're not as important, but with those two, especially, I felt like I was a little disappointed with the landing spots from a fantasy perspective, purely fantasy. I think that they will be great fits in those offenses, but I just feel like from a fantasy perspective, uh, embarrassment of riches is not always the best thing for wide receivers, especially like ultimately you have a Michael Gallup, you have Amari Cooper, at least for this year. Um, this CD lamb is, is, you can't ignore that when you're talking about a guy like CeeDee Lamb. Jerry Judy, you have Cortland Sutton. You have KJ Hamler, who they just drafted. Um, you have Noah Fant. You have some, you know, you have some guys that are coming in, and you also have some guys that were already there that are going to take away some of the volume from a Jerry Judy. Um, unlike some guys we'll talk about later that are walking into situations where they can pretty much establish themselves as a target hog immediately. Um, the two guys that I'm adding to this first tier for me are Jalen Rager and Justin Jefferson. Uh, Jalen Rager, again, one of those dudes that walked into a situation where he can be an alpha dog immediately. And so uh, the Eagles pass catching core was pretty terrible. I think Rager has a unique skill set in that I think he is 
talented enough to win on the outside and in the slot. I think they can move him around as a wide receiver, which is great because if he's really hitting at one spot, then they can keep him there, but they can also use him kind of all over the field to keep him away from number one cornerbacks. Um, kind of the, the, the biggest complaint, I guess, with Rager was that, you know, he, he isn't always the greatest um, with press coverage. He didn't have to see it a whole lot. And so, uh, to me, the fact that he can basically move all over that offense is great for him. Uh, I think from a volume perspective, he's probably going to lead this class in targets this year. Um, if he doesn't, I would be he's going to be in the top three for rookies. Uh, so for me, Rager belongs because he's got the opportunity and he's got the skill set uh, to justify him basically being in this top tier for me. Justin Jefferson is probably um, the most NFL ready wide receiver of all all four of these dudes to me I think he fits in perfectly with what that offense does if you just slot him into similar targets to what Stefan Diggs just left with um, I think that Justin Jefferson is going to produce I think he's going to start producing immediately and so I in dynasty I especially while I agree that you can wait for wide receivers I tend to skew my rankings towards players that can help me as soon as I draft them because ultimately I don't as I think it's okay to wait for players but I also want to start competing if I'm on a team that's competing I want Justin Jefferson um I want one of these top 4 guys because I think that they're ready to start producing fantasy points in some capacity immediately. They're going to have some big weeks year one. Uh, so that's why I think Jefferson from just a skill perspective fits right into a slot that was already well established. And I think that because he's NFL ready, he's going to start producing at an NFL level very quickly. Mm -hmm. And let me clarify when I say that you, you know, the, you can wait a little bit. What I, what I really mean with that with CD Ram is that he's going to have some weeks. I just don't think he's ever going to hit that ceiling, um, you know, for, for a little bit, you know, you're not going to see that ceiling of, you know, potentially 1300 yards and 10 touchdowns, uh, you know, with, with that embarrassment of riches, like you said, kind of in Dallas right away. Uh, so, so it might take him a little bit to hit that ceiling, but I do think he'll be productive right away. Um, going to my tier two, two of the guys you had in your tier one, uh, Jalen Rager and Justin Jefferson were right on the cusp of, uh, of tier one for me. They are in my tier two. Jalen Rager, I absolutely love. Not only do I love the player, I love the landing spot. I think it's a great fit. It's a wonderful marriage. Look, when, when Deshaun Jackson was healthy and this team could stretch the field, this Eagles offense was very good, very different uh, the way that they could attack you. I think Jalen Rager is going to fill that role right away, and uh, and I, I think it's a fantastic fit. It was a wonderful pick. Um, I know a lot of people in Philadelphia were upset that Justin Jefferson wasn't the guy there. I think Rager fits what they want to do a little bit better. That's just, just my take on it. Um, I think Rager's a fantastic fit. I love him there. Justin Jefferson, to me, is a great fit you know, in Minnesota, uh, you know, Stefan Diggs was a fantastic route runner. That's how he won. Justin Jefferson can win the same way. You know, he can step in and fill that role. They still have Adam Thielen. They still have some, some pass catching options there and, and they can still be a run first offense with Dalvin cook. So, um, I like Justin Jefferson. I think he can step in right away and he can fill that role. Uh, I don't know that he fills those, those stats right away that, that Stefan Diggs leaves behind, but I think he can fill that role and there's going to be room for him to grow in that offense. Uh, the other two guys I have in my tier two is Henry Ruggs. And, and first off, for me, Henry Ruggs is being disrespected in, in a way I never expected him to be. Look, I, I wasn't 
head over heels for Henry Ruggs when I watched his film. However, I, I did, you have to recognize his skill set, his strengths, and one of them is his speed. And look, Oakland, they're going to give him every opportunity to, to produce in this offense because the draft capital is there. You know, when you take a receiver as high as they did, you know, he was the number one receiver off the board. They're being criticized for it. Trust me, they are going to give him every opportunity to succeed, whether that's producing touches for him and bubble screens, getting him the ball in space, however they can get him the ball on sweeps, jet reverses, whatever, um, and, and stretching the field deep, they're going to do it because they want this guy to succeed. So Henry Ruggs to me is a guy who's being undervalued. I've seen him go in the second round, um, you know, mid second round of, of some wings. And I just, I don't get it to me. Uh, to me, that's too late. He, he should be going higher than that. Another guy, uh, my last guy in my second tier is T Higgins. And I love the player. I, I really like the situation. Um, you know, year one, you know, he's probably the wide receiver three on that team behind Tyler Boyd and behind AJ Green. I think the writing's on the wall. AJ Green did get the franchise tag this year. I think he's gone after this year. And I think T Higgins is going to be asked to fill that role, which is huge shoes to fill. But I, I think he's capable. He's a fantastic wide receiver. I think he fits that mold of what A.J. Green can do. I don't know that he has A.J. Green upside. I think that's yet to be determined. But I do feel like you know he projects as that type of player. And so I think this is a very good situation for him. He can grow with Joe Burrow, too. They can develop chemistry. They're both going to be learning on the fly. I think they're going to get a lot of reps together early. Um, and, and, and so I really like T. Higgins an awful lot. I think he's being underdrafted as well. Yeah, I liked all those points. I definitely agree with Ruggs being a little uh, disrespected right now. Um, I think ultimately, if of all these wide receivers of this entire class, he at least has something that he will start winning with immediately. As soon as he steps on the field, he will start winning with speed. There is no question about it. The dude is legit fast. And so because he's elite at the things that he uses with that speed, um, I do think he's being a little disrespected. I think that the team told you, I mean, they said it right after they drafted, they wanted a Tyreek Hill-esque player. And so I don't think that he is Tyreek Hill yet. I do think that he showed a lot at college and and we can't forget, we, we cannot use raw counting numbers with any of the wide receivers that were in that, in that Alabama offense. They had like five dudes that are going to be round one wide receivers. I'm sorry, but you cannot, you can't use the raw counting stats. They were picking who was going to catch the ball. Um, so Henry Ruggs, definitely, definitely being under-respected here. He is in my tier two one because I don't trust the quarterback to maximize that potential as a deep threat. Um, whether it's Carr, whether it's Mariota, I'm sorry, like they're capped a little bit. I don't trust John Gruden as a coach. I said it earlier with Matt Patricia. I'm saying it now. If I don't trust a coach to be able to maximize his players, I question their ability uh, as fantasy assets. Like, I'm sorry, we cannot ignore the fact that some coaches just are not good at basically making guys elite prospects for fantasy. Uh, so that's why he's in my tier two. Um, I also have Higgins again, Higgins is kind of, to me, this is the, this is the B plus player of this wide receiver class. Uh, he doesn't do anything wrong, but he doesn't necessarily have like an elite skill. Um, but I think he's a solid wide receiver across the board and they drafted him to basically come in with Joe Burrow and be kind of his, his guy. And so, um, I like the fact that they invested in Higgins. I think that 
I think AJ Green is either one not on this team by the time we start the season or two gets traded at some point this year. And I think that Higgins being drafted where he was was a pretty clear indication that they're ready to move on from AJ Green. I think AJ Green is ready to move on. I think that I'm going to throw some hot takes out here real quick. Some, some, uh, I'm, I'm looking into the future. Don't do it. Don't say the team that everyone's saying. Don't do it. I, I could see AJ Green ending up with the Green Bay Packers. I'm sorry. Do it. AJ Green Bay. No. I'm sorry. I just, I, I see it happening. And so I see it being a possibility. Third guy in my tier two. Um, and, and this, I think, is the only guy that we're, we'll disagree on. And I'm sure I know why probably uh, he was kind of on the edge for me between two and three, but to me, it's Denzel Mims. Uh, Mims is this has the size, he has the speed and he has the opportunity. I'm sorry. Like there's just, he like Jalen Rager kind of landed in a spot where he can walk in and be an alpha. If he, if he arises to that occasion, he can be an alpha. I don't trust him to be the alpha the same way that I trust Jalen Rager to become the alpha, but I do think that he's going to be, He's going to have an opportunity to possibly lead this class in targets. And so basically Sam Darnold hasn't had a guy like a Denzel Mims that he can throw the ball up to and hope that he catches it. Denzel Mims can do some crazy things, drops are a question, but to me, that opportunity, immediate opportunity does push him into my second tier here. Um, to me, all three of these dudes are values in the second round of rookie drafts where I feel like my tier one were first round guys. I think this is very clear second round rookie draft picks and I'm happy taking these guys in the second round. Yeah, that's fair enough. I Denzel Mims is a guy that, you know, truth be told, I, I wasn't high on him when I watched his film and then he went to the jets. So um, based on where he's going in rookie drafts, obviously I'm out on him. Um, I just I wouldn't spend a second round pick, even a late second round pick on him. But I I understand the allure. I understand, like you said, their size, their speed. Um, he's going into a place that doesn't really have competition for him. So um, I understand the allure. I just I I would rather I, I'm okay with missing on him if he hits, um, just because I I. I, I will avoid at all costs, um, and and if he does hit, I'll be I'll be able to live with that uh, just based off of what I saw on film and uh, his landing spot. But uh, but I do understand it, and that's why he's in my tier three. And I'm going to go through my tier three here um, real quick. Well, this guy, you know, um, I don't want the landing spot in Jacksonville, but they're going to have to throw it to someone. And DJ Shark's really the only guy that uh, that I think he would have to contend with as far as touches go. I like DD Westbrook. It doesn't seem like. Uh, they do. Chris Conley's a guy that they seem to like, but I think LaVisca Schnoltz uh, a better uh, a better player. Michael Pittman, I love his landing spot. I love his situation going to Indy. Um, I think that he's a guy that uh, that could could battle for playing time right away. Paris Campbell's coming back from an injury. He projects to be a, a very nice slot slot receiver. So I think Pittman can line up on the outside and fill that role opposite T.Y. Hilton. And T.Y.'s getting older too. So, you know, Michael Pittman steps into a very nice uh, role, in my opinion there. Uh, Brian Edwards is a guy who I really liked. I don't love the landing spot, obviously, in Oakland. Um, but there's really not a whole lot there for competition. It's just a matter of how will he be used. I, that I don't know. Again, I agree with you, Ethan. I don't trust the coach um, at all, and I don't trust the quarterback, so it's hard for me to overinvest in these guys. 
but these are guys that I'm, you know, late second, early third, I'm okay with. Uh, Brandon Ayuk is a guy who uh, he just he, he, the draft capital is there. He goes to San Francisco. I think he's he's probably the wide receiver too. Steps into that role. Um, Dante Pettis, uh, you know, San Francisco seems to be down on. So I think Ayuk steps into that wide receiver role, uh, wide receiver two role rather behind Debo Samuel and get some usage right away. Denzel Mims is on here for me again. You know, uh, like you said, everything you said uh, rings true with Mims. Um, I just you know personally haven't been haven't been as high on him. So he's a, he's a tier lower for me. And then Devin Duvernay is a guy who I think is being slept on. I love Devin Duvernay. I like the landing spot. I know Baltimore doesn't throw it a ton, but they were pretty balanced last year and they add more speed to that offense, which is, is deadly. That's what you need. And, and a slot guy like Devin Duvernay, I think can get open against zone coverage. He's fast enough to get open against man coverage. Um, and, and I think he's going to, he, you know, he'll be a nice safety valve uh, type of guy for Lamar Jackson. Look, Mark Andrews, is, is, you know, you would think traditionally the tight end would be that guy, but Mark Andrews isn't. Mark Andrews is a deep threat. He, you know, he's he, he's often down the field when he makes his catches and in the red zone. So um, I, I think Devin DuVernay can fill a nice role there. It's kind of a safety valve guy and uh, have some PPR value right away. So, um, Ethan, that's that's my tier three. Let's move on to your next tier, uh, your tier four here. And uh, some, some uh, familiar names here. Whoa, did I not get to talk about my tier three? Oh, yeah, we're going to your tier three. I'm sorry. I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm a tier ahead of you. Dudes, uh, I was so confused. Um, I have Pittman. I agree. Um, I think I think in Indy, that's a that's a great spot for him. Um, again, kind of a different option for that offense. Um, a bigger guy that, you know, I think complements what they already had there um, a lot. I, again, I don't think he's going to be an alpha, so – that makes it a little bit harder for me to buy in on him above some of these guys, the guys above him um, in the in the tiers one and two. Uh, same same kind of concerns with Brandon Ayuk. Um, I think that I think from a talent perspective, he's he's a good player. I think that he is going to be used well in this offense. Um, but I think that some of the stuff he does well, I think Debo Samuel does well too. And so I kind of question if they don't negate them each other a little bit. Um, and then I have LaVisca Chenault just because I don't think that the combine accurately reflected uh, his abilities as a wide receiver, as a weapon on offense. Um, I think we've talked about it multiple times now, but I told everyone that you should expect a not great combine because uh, he was dealing with a few medical conditions that are going to impact him. The fact that he tried to run through those are, it's pretty impressive. Um, so to me, Chenault, you know, into the second round, uh, I think he's definitely worth taking a chance on because he could be kind of that next guy that gets used like Adebo Samuel did last year. And you're going to want that on your fantasy teams. Uh, so that's my tier three. Um, did you already, t- you didn't already say any, th- your, oh, your tier three basically had all of my tier four guys. So I'm just going to keep going. Um, I think we'll probably disagree on a couple of these dudes, but, uh, my tier four guys are Edwards. Um, I just think that Brian Edwards, you know, more traditional wide receiver as opposed to, uh, Henry Ruggs, I think Ruggs has way more upside. So um, Edwards, his injury history concerns me. He had, I think, the highest injury grade. Uh, he was tied with Chenault. So Chenault and Edwards had the highest injury risk rating in my my rookie draft, my rookie guide. So um, I just don't, uh, I don't trust him. I'll just put it that way. I just don't trust him to stay healthy. So that put him a tier below. Uh, I've got Chase Claypool here. 
if he ends up being a wide receiver, I think he could end up being a tight end or kind of a hybrid player. I hope he gets a tight end designation because that would really help the tight end rankings a lot. But um, I think Chase Claypool could have some some potential as a red zone threat immediately. Um, and I have Devin Duvernay, and I know we've talked before, so I won't I won't bore you with the the Devin Duvernay talk again. But um, you know, me and James are kind of in lockstep that Devin Duvernay is kind of an underappreciated asset at the wide receiver position in this year's draft. I think I got him at one point. I got him at like three eleven. Um, that is that's ridiculous. He landed on an incredible offense. He is better uh, as a fast wide receiver, deep threat than most of the guys they have on that team already. And I think he's going to fit in well in Baltimore in a team that, you know, regardless of what you think of Lamar Jackson as a thrower, he threw for over 30 touchdowns last year. So obviously he knows how to get the ball uh, down the field. Endeavor Duvernay fits that profile as a, a very quick slot guy. And so uh, I think that you know, he could see some pretty instant potential here to be a fantasy asset. So um, love me some Duvernay. Um, was there anybody else that you had in your tier three that wasn't included in those two tiers? I think your tier three is basically my tier three and four. Yeah, yeah it basically is now that I look at it. Yeah, yeah, that's odd. I, I, I have a tier four here. I'm just going to name a bunch of names. These are guys that are swing and miss. They're, they're, um, they're swing for the fence type guys, not swing and miss, but swing for the fence type guys that uh, you know you're, you're probably going to miss on. But uh, if you have a, a really late round pick or you know a free agent, you can you can swing at one of these guys that you like and hope that they hit. Um, Chase Claypool is first for me. Um, I love the athlete. Um, Antonio Gandy Golden is a guy I, I love his film, uh, and I think he walks into a position where there's not a lot of uh, of competition. I just don't love his quarterback. Um, so there's that. Uh, Van Jefferson is a guy going uh, to the Rams is interesting. Donovan People Jones could be the wide receiver three in Cleveland right away, but he's going to be a punt and kick returner for sure. Um, so we'll have some value because he's going to dress every week. KJ Hamler is a guy who has a lot of deep speed and uh, brings something a little different to that Denver offense than anyone else. And Tyler Johnson is a guy who I like a lot talent wise. He uh, he was. You know, he should have been a, a probably a day two pick, but uh, he had some off the field stuff that, uh, that, that, you know, were, I don't know, they were rumored. I, I don't know if they were issues or not, but, uh, but he ends up going to Tampa Bay and, uh, and he has the talent to see the field early and often. So um, those are my tier four guys. Ethan, let's move on to tight end. We're not going to spend much time on tight end. It's a, not a good tight end class. However, you avoid tight end until basically the last round of your rookie drafts and your yes, yes. fourth round. I nailed it. Yep. I would not take a tight end in this draft before the fourth round. And I'll be honest, unless you're in a, a league that drafts five or six rounds, if you have a four round rookie draft, there's only two guys I want. Yeah. And the, and the only way I'm taking a tight end in, in a rookie draft is if it's a significant tight end premium, like a full point per reception difference between tight end and receiver or a start, you know, mandatory start to tight end, you know, and, and even then I'm still waiting till the late third, early fourth to grab one of these guys. So um, yeah, Ethan, go ahead with your, your, uh, your top tier. I'm not even going to call it tier one because it's not worthy your top tier of tight end. Well, I'll just, I'll just break down all three tiers here. Um, for me, there's two tight ends that stand above everyone else from just a value perspective. That's Adam Troutman. I think from a fantasy perspective, Troutman has the best chance to be a, you know, not only, I think he might 
not be an immediate breakout, but I think from a talent perspective, he could provide the most fantasy value because he is a good pass catcher and he is in an offense right now in New Orleans that doesn't really have a whole lot of competition for him to start producing. I mean, you got Jared Cook there, but let's be honest, like if Troutman can show anything in camp, he's going to get a chance to basically start working into that workload. Um, so to me, I think from an offense plus uh, talent perspective, Troutman, you know, is is probably the best fantasy option. Uh, the other guy, and this is more based on the fact that he he got taken in the second second round, and that's Cole Komet. Um, the Bears have like twenty five tight ends right now, so uh, who knows what their tight end room is going to look like? But to me, when you take Cole Komet in the second, you're you're pretty much accepting that he is going to be the starter uh, for your team, and so those two are the dudes that I think are the kind of cut above the rest of these not very good tight ends um tier two i have albert o okay boonum okay boonum i think that's probably as good as i'm gonna get to say that sounds about right yeah uh devin asiasi asi 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 uh man some funny names in this tight end group <laughs> and then bryson hopkins uh, Hopkins, I think, uh, you know, outside of draft capital really checks all the boxes that you want for a fantasy tight end. Um, you know, pretty, pretty good athlete, pretty good production profile in college. Um, definitely someone I think you laid in the drafts. If you have a taxi squad, throw him on there, see how he does. Um, same thing with Asiasi again, third round draft capital. So, um, you know, not really a guy that was on my radar particularly, but, uh, anytime you get taken, uh, that early, you need to at least be aware of who, where he goes and and how he's doing. Um, Alberto, obviously no fan, not the greatest, but he does have that connection with Drew Locke. Uh, he caught eleven touchdowns with Locke uh, as a, as a freshman. You know they 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 know each other and they do have a connection and they had a connection in college. So in the red zone, to me, Alberto could be a guy like. That was like Darren Fells last year where, yeah, he might not put up a ton of numbers, but you get down to the red zone and he might, you know, he might catch seven or eight touchdowns and that's good enough to be a tight end one. And so you only need like a catch for a touchdown to be a tight end one in fantasy. So um, that's why I like Albert O. This tier three, these are guys that, again, fifth, sixth round, you're running out of options. You got some taxi squad spots to fill. Um, Josiah DeGuara, um, I actually know the kid that trained him. Um, he's not a kid, he's a grown man, but, uh, I went to school with a guy that trained him for the combine. He had a great combine, uh, kind of confused on what his role is going to be with the Packers. It seems like they want to use him as kind of a fullback tight end combo. So we'll see how that works out. Um, Thad Moss, he's a guy that I think a lot of people were confused about. How, how does he not get drafted? Uh, the reason he didn't get drafted is because he he has you know a significant injury history. You should go buy my rookie injury guide, and you would know that that's probably why he didn't get drafted. Um, same thing with a guy like Hunter Bryant. Um, he had a significant injury history. You would know this. Go buy my guide. Um, and then Dalton Keene, another name I wasn't really on my radar, but he got taken in the fourth. He went to the Patriots. You got to pay attention to those types of guys. I sh- oh, one more thing on Thad Moss. I think he, of all the undrafted free agents, probably landed in the best spot to potentially uh, produce in fantasy because he is going to be, you know, probably in comp- in competition to be the starting tight end for the Redskins this year. And so, of all the undrafted free agents, he's probably the only one that I'm really looking at to try to get on my dynasty rosters. Ethan, that was so well done. I'm not even going to add anything. Um, That's it. 
that's it, folks. That's all we got. That's that's all we got for tight end. So let's real quick, Ethan. Let's recap our overall, um, so that way we can kind of get to some tier breaks. So I, I'm going to go for my my tier one uh, overall. Uh, you know, um, so in in my tier one, uh, I have Joe Burrow, Tua Tagovailoa, Justin Herbert, uh, Jonathan Taylor, Clyde Edwards-Helaire, DeAndre Swift, Cam Akers, J.K. Dobbins. Um, as well as Jerry Judy and C.D. Lamb. So um, I have 10 players in my tier one. I think there's a tier break after that. Um, so right around the 1.11 1, 1. Um, is where I would see a tier break if I was drafting these guys and they were going in the order that I have them ranked, which normally doesn't happen. But that, that would be my ranking um, for tier one guys. So what about you, Ethan? Where's your tier one at? Where's your tier break? Um, so for me, I, I, I tend to skew towards running backs and quarterbacks in all fantasy drafts, uh, especially this year where I feel like you, there's a lot of options at wide receivers that I like. None of them really via landing spot or, or whatever you want to make the argument. We already talked about why they're in their t- the tiers they're in. They don't stick out to me as being as valuable as what the quarterbacks and running backs are this year. So I actually have uh, basically Burrow to a, um, the five running backs, so Taylor, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, Dobbins, Swift, Akers, um, and then I have Justin Herbert in my tier one uh, for super flex. I don't have any wide receivers. That's not that I don't think these wide receivers are talented. It has nothing to do with that. It's just a, from a value perspective, I feel like your best bet early in rookie drafts this year especially is to take the running backs to the quarterbacks because they're once – I think the tier drop is huge after those top two tiers uh, for those two positions specifically, whereas the teardrop for wide receivers, I mean, I can get into shoot by the time you get to tier three wide receivers, you're still looking at some, some pretty, pretty good options. So uh, go grab those running backs, go grab those top quarterbacks if you can. Yeah, I think that's a good, I think that's a good strategy. I really do. Uh, for me, the, uh, you know, I, and, and again, I have five, running backs and three quarterbacks in my, my top tier. So there, there's only room for two receivers for me in that top tier outside of that. That's it. Um, so I'm going to go to, I'm going to go to my second tier and kind of where I would break it. And for me, uh, tier two includes Jordan Love and uh, just uh, J, uh, Jordan Love and Jalen Hurts uh, at the quarterback position. Um, it, Zach Moss, AJ Dillon, Keyshawn Vaughn um, would be in there. Jalen Rager, Justin Jefferson, Henry Rubs, and T Higgins. Honestly, in my tier two, I think I would take all four of those receivers before I would even look at the running backs or the quarterbacks in, in tier two. So, um, but that would be where my tier break would happen there. Um, so that, that would be my tier two uh, would be those two quarterbacks, those three running backs and those four receivers with those four receivers being up top of, uh, of my second tier for sure. I can't argue uh, this draft to me should go very system systematically. To me, it's the first eight picks should be running backs and quarterbacks. Then you get basically an entire chunk of the late first and the early second should all basically be wide receivers. And then you kind of, you know, it, it, it's team needs, it's preference after that. Um, for me, the tier two is is basically all those tier one wide receivers. So CeeDee Lamb, Jerry Judy, uh, Jalen Rager, Justin Jefferson. Um, I'm actually going to include all the tier two um wide receivers as well so i'm gonna go rugs higgins mims i'm gonna add Pittman and iuk in my tier two as well i think this wide receiver group is incredibly deep but again because of position scarcity i just named you know 
basically what four day to almost 10 wide receivers. So nine wide receivers there that I like all, you know, very close to each other. They're all kind of in the same tier. Obviously I like lamb those. I broke them up already. So you know what my tiers are, but those are, those wide receivers are kind of that next group for me. Um, I don't have either of the quarterbacks in my tier two, just because I don't think they're going to start immediately. I've already told you all. I skew towards immediate production. That's just how I like to do things. So uh, James and I differ a little bit. He's a little bit more patient. I'm a little bit more, uh, I want some results right now. And so that's why I'm going to go with the the wide receivers here. Uh, running backs, I am i don't think I'm going to add any of these running backs into this tier two. I think tier two for me is basically entirely wide receivers. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And that makes sense. I, I, I do want to real quick, just kind of state that a lot of these tiers are going to be different based upon roster size, roster configuration. Do you have taxi squads or practice squads, um, that sort of thing. And, uh, and how are they used all that? Um, so, you know, so these tiers to me are, you know, I'm, I'm in some bigger leagues. And so to me, I'm okay with waiting on a guy for a couple of years, only because when your roster size is 40, you know, and and you have five practice squad spots or taxi squad spots. On top of that, um, you you can you can wait a little bit normally because you've got six other quarterbacks rostered or seven other quarterbacks rostered um, in a super flex league. So, it, you know, a lot of this is relative. So, kind of take this uh, with a grain of salt as far as how you're, um, you know, how you use these these tier breaks, uh, you know, based on your week. So, um, I'm gonna go to I'm gonna go to my tier three. Jacob Eason is in that tier as well as Antonio Gibson, um, Darrington Evans. Uh, 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 DJ Dallas and uh, Lynn Bowden um, as well uh, at wide receiver. It's LaVisca Chenault, Michael Pittman, Brian Edwards, Brandon Ayuk, Denzel Mims, and uh, Devin Duvernay. I will also start including the tight ends. They're at the bottom of this tier. So I wouldn't touch them until after all those guys are gone. And that's Adam Troutman and Cole Komet. Troutman over Komet um, for me, as well as uh, I know Ethan said that too, uh, that I, I have rank the same way as far as tight ends go. So I would include those in my tier three and, uh, and there would be another tier break after that. So what about you, Ethan? To me, I think tier three is probably the smallest uh, tier that I have right now. Um, I'm going to go with those three running backs that I had in tier three for the running backs. So Keyshawn Vaughn, Zach Moss, AJ Dillon. Um, I think those three are, you know, again, I had them in their own tier. I think that they're kind of in this third tier after you get those wide receivers off the board. I'm going to add LaVisca Chenault. Um, I'm going to actually add Devin DuVernay, Edwards, and Claypool here as well. Um, While I don't necessarily think that they are – I wouldn't probably take any of those those three specifically before any of the running backs. Again, position scarcity. Um, I do think that those three, you know, have – uh, an argument to be made to be in this tier. Um, I'm going to also throw Jalen Hurts into this tier as well. Um, I'm not going to throw Love in because I don't think he's going to start soon enough. But to me, Hurts, uh, you know, basically we're at the end of the second round. I think that in a super flex league, you're doing yourself a disservice by not taking a chance on Jalen Hurts, especially if you're weak at quarterback and need possibly the upside of him starting. Um, or if you, you know, say you have a Carson Wentz, you know, if you, if you're, Picking at the end of the late, you know, late second, Jalen Hurts is probably a dude you need to get on your team. Uh, the team has invested in him to be the backup, and I just feel like you're again, you're hoping for these guys to pan out, and when quarterbacks pan out, they pan out huge. And Jalen Hurts 
in a different spot may have been, you know, a top 12 pick in this draft, just from a fantasy perspective, he puts up numbers. And so um, I'm going to add him in that tier, that uh, tier three for me overall as well. Very nice. I'm going to go to my last tier and that's the fourth tier. I'm not going to include any quarterbacks. I, I just don't, I don't know that there's any, and, and, and you, you brought up a very interesting name and I'm going to let you get to it later in your tiers, but uh but you brought up a very interesting name, and there's someone that uh, then I might consider adding to my tier a little later. But as of right now, I don't have any other quarterbacks that I really feel comfortable drafting here. Guys like Jake Fromm and, and guys that want later. I just I'm I'm not all that interested in rostering um, as of right now. Uh, so so I'm going to start with running backs: Anthony McFarland, uh, Josh Kelly, uh, um, P. Ryan, and Eno Benjamin are, are all in my my tier four. Um, receivers will be Chase Claypool, uh, Antonio Candy, Golden, Van Jefferson, uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones, KJ Hamler, and Tyler Johnson. And then the tight ends. I, again, I struggle with tight ends. If you're in a tight end premium, if if you you know if there's you have some weird tight end scoring or something, and you you know you really want a tight end in this class. Um, I, I guess you know out of the the ones that are available, the the ones that I like the most that are left over would be uh, Asasi, Hopkins, and Alberto. Um, those three uh, would be guys that I, I would really kind of kind of tear in there, I suppose. But uh, even then, you know, I, I, I feel like that's, you know, if you have a four-round draft and you're at the end of the fourth round and you want to take a guy, I, I suppose. But, uh, but yeah, I, I don't even know that I would do that, to be honest with you. But I'll, I'll throw them in there just in case you need them. Or, again, you, you have a, a weird kind of tight end scoring um, that makes them a little bit more valuable, but that would be it for my tiers. Um, for the most part, after that, it really just starts to get to personal preference, and you know you're you're in a deep deep league, so whatever you're you're throwing a dart at, you know, good luck, uh, basically. So, um, Ethan, what uh, what about your next tier here, your your fourth tier? I think at this point, you're really basically picking the guys that you that you like. I mean, if you're putting a third round pick into somebody, you it's it's more based on i i choose best pay, player available at this point uh for me uh i don't think there's a ton of strategy that goes into this um one guy that i i, I mentioned earlier that i'm trying to get on all my teams is joshua kelly and so you know he's in this tier for me uh anthony mcfarland evans uh darrington evans antonio gibson dj dallas i think could be you know he has an argument to be in this tier so does lynn bowden um quarterbacks i think this is where i put probably put jordan love again i don't think he's going to start anytime soon but you're taking lottery tickets so if you need a guy to put on your team if you have a deeper roster super flex tickets those those quarterback tickets are worth more it's just the facts of it the, the odds are better that you're going to pay off at some point with that ticket as opposed to some of these other guys um wide receiver you know pretty much anybody else uh I've, I've already named all my wide receivers um you know edwards claypool duvernay are all dudes that i'm i'm cool with putting in this tier um if you have a guy that you really love kj hamler is a guy that a lot of people have liked all those guys that you mentioned in your tier four would all be in this tier for me uh this is where the tight ends go so you know troutman and Komet, those are the only two that i have draftable grades on in a four round rookie draft so uh, they're in this tier and then you know once you get past kind of the tight ends, that's that's pretty much it. You're, you're pretty much just taking whoever you – whatever dart throw you want to take. Beautiful, beautiful. Ethan, I think that's going to do it for us here today. Um, 
so yeah, uh, I think I think we're going to call it a show. Uh, Ethan, thank you so much. Um, so to all our listeners, please be sure to follow Ethan on Twitter at eTurnerFF underscore PT. You can follow me at underscore James the Brain. Um, we always appreciate you. You can uh, make sure that you follow us uh, on Twitter as well. The show um, at Superflex Show, and uh, you know, make sure that you, uh, you you tag us in any trade polls, anything like that. We can always bring them on the show, and we can uh, we can look to, uh, to 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 retweet them, get you more votes, and that sort of thing as well. Um, yeah, so want to send a special thanks to Heart and Soul Radio for their song "The Addiction," and a special thank you to Dynasty League Football and their family of podcasts, as well as the entire DLF staff for their ongoing support. Um, make sure to follow us, and again, send us questions and trade polls to the podcast handle on Twitter at Superflex Show. Thank you again for joining us, and until next time, stay sexy and super flexy. Hey.